Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Kicking off hour number two of Outkick 360. Glad you're with us today as we broadcast from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, right in the heart of downtown Nashville. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is about to join us uh, as we will dissect some of NFL Week 1, biggest surprises, best individual performances, Uh, The rookies who shined and those who did not. John watched one of them in particular at NRG Stadium this week in Trevor Lawrence. He got Lawrence's NFL debut. We'll go uh, into detail there momentarily. Uh, Nice win for the Raiders. Uh, the, the team we failed to mention uh, last yesterday about week one was the, the Bucks because how soon we forget that they played on Thursday night. Um, and a, a team, maybe a, a team that lost that still impressed me was Dallas because Prescott showed no signs of rust. He's one of those losing quarterbacks that you still feel like has that team in line to do some damage. Uh, and, and there are several teams out there that probably feel the same way. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Chad, for instance, would be in that category with Baker Mayfield and what we saw them do at Arrowhead. You wonder, though, with Cleveland, you know, we talked yesterday about how well they acquitted themselves in a loss uh, against Kansas City. I also think back on that game and think of how they did make some crucial mistakes late, but how well they played. And if they're also possibly sitting back and thinking, can we play any better against Kansas City? specifically on offense, to give ourselves a chance to beat that team again? I think the answer is yes. I think they showed they could go toe-to-toe with Kansas City in that game. But it was a very well-played game by Cleveland, and it still wasn't enough to beat Kansas City. Well, they can defend better, longer, more consistently. You can't give up that one. And and this is what you have to do against Kansas City is – not allow the one play, right? I mean, you have to play well overall and then not have the one moment where you let Mahomes do the magic. And um, they, they, they broke down for that one moment, and, and that's what you can't do against that team. You can, you can play well against them for all but that one play, and uh, unless you're blowing them out and Kansas City doesn't get blown out, that one play can, can swing it. How about Kelsey last night on the Manning cast – not even knowing. Not knowing who he's playing, but also saying, like, there are times where we just make bleep up. Like, I, I'm just running a route to get open, and Mahomes knows that. And, you know, Manny, Manny's the one that asked him that. Eli did, I believe, right off the jump when he first joined the chat. He was like, how much of what you run is just you and Mahomes making it up at the line of scrimmage versus a route tree that's drawn up on the playbook? And he kind of laughed, and he eventually got back to the point where he's like, yeah, I, there's half the time I'm looking over at him thinking I'm about to do something that is not involved in this play. That would be maddening to know that, yeah, that the two have it? a rapport like that to he where it really said, doesn't I, matter what you call, you, you trust the guy to get over. I look at him. You know, when, when, when guys talk like that, I look at him, I, I give him the eyes, and we know 
that's that's really hard to defend because something that's coming up with uh, hey i'm looking at you a certain way and that, that ties into you know the browns tried to defend him well kelsey helped get them back in the game the browns helped them uh, but now baltimore will take on kansas city they just tried to defend darren waller and in the broadcast they were saying that Kelsey and Waller are very similar yeah, how in like how this? they deploy them. Look at the man coverage yes, he's getting. Yes, uh, and, and he's also watching a team he's going to be playing twice. Kelsey was it with the, he thought with he the might Raiders have been playing them next week. Yeah, he had no idea. <laughs> how about that? Yeah, uh, that, does that not make anyone else angry? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> I, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, dude, every single Chiefs fan knows who you're playing next, and you are paid millions to play on the team. You you cannot have the answer. On Monday Night Football, of I don't know. I, who I also playing kind there. of respect it to a degree. I fully believed him. It's like, a he full, didn't know. Oh yeah, he he didn't know. But they're a full off Monday team, and so he reports to work on Tuesday, and and you know I, by I, midday I, Tuesday he I, knows a hell of a lot about what's what's going on. I, I do not respect that. <laughs> There's nothing about that that I respect. The other thing I did respect that he said as we get to John McClain is I don't want to block. Like, throw the hot rat out here instead of calling that adjustment that calls for me to come in there and block. I'll do it, but I'd rather you just throw the hot rat out here. John McClain joins us from Houston. Time to talk NFL Week 1 headlines. John, hope you're doing well down in Texas. We lost electricity for five or six hours, but now it's fixed and everything is fine. One of you guys could come down and rake our yard. It would look (laughs) really nice. Okay, well, I, I believe the storms are probably headed up this way. Uh, and I'm glad that everything is okay and the power is on that you could join us on the show today. Um, let, let, let's start with last night. How surprised were you with what the Raiders were able to accomplish given the fact that they gave the game away in overtime with the interception and then Lamar gave it right back to them on the fumble? They were very fortunate to get that fumble by Jackson. I thought they'd blown it. And I got to tell you, I, I watched the, the Manning show me too. And I like them. I, I wish they didn't have guests. I don't care about guests. I thought Russell Wilson was the best one. And I thought that the Raiders should have won the game. The officials made the right call when they ruled the guy down after everybody was celebrating the victory. But uh, it came out the way it should have, considering how close the Raiders were to scoring. In Baltimore, of course, it was a gallon effort for a team that had lost three running backs and then cornerback. Marcus Peters, they still played their tail off. They put even more pressure on Lamar Jackson this season. John, you mentioned that Russell Wilson was your favorite of the guests on the Manning cast. Because we were just having this discussion, I wanted to ask your opinion on it. What did you think of Travis Kelsey legitimately not knowing who the Chiefs were playing this upcoming week? Yeah, I was stunned, as you can imagine. I think everybody was. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, you were able to see Trevor Lawrence's NFL debut uh, firsthand along with Urban Meyer. And one of the big surprises, not that Houston won the game, but in blowout fashion. I I think many people would have picked Houston to beat Jacksonville if if you're just going down and and judging uh, based on just NFL picks across the country. Um, but the way that they handled Jacksonville, what did you make first of Jacksonville's approach to the game and Trevor Lawrence's overall play? 
every pick I saw before the game, except some in Houston, had the Jaguars winning. They were favored by three, even though the Texans had beaten them six times in a row, even though Urban Meyer's a rookie NFL coach, Lawrence a rookie. Um, and they were playing their first game, and the Texans scored the most points in franchise history in the first game. They got them down 34-7. to um, Now, I'll say this. Urban Meyer's team looked poorly coached. They made a lot of mistakes. Clock issues, two two timeouts in the first quarter. They look like the first preseason game. Lawrence, he showed at times great arm. They flushed him out of the pocket. He had two of his interceptions throwing on the run in which he overthrew receivers. Texans were plus three in turnover differential, three interceptions. That's as many as they had all of last season when they had only nine takeaways, second fewest in the NFL since 1980. They were plus, they had 10 turnovers in preseason, and Lovey Smith's defense picked up where it left off. I think this is a sign. Texans aren't as pathetic as we thought, and the Jaguars are still really bad. And, uh, and uh, the, the player that surprised me the most was Tyrod Taylor. Mm. And he's had his two starting jobs in Cleveland and with the Chargers in 18 and 20, lost both because of injuries. And then that opened the door for Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. But the Texans offense must have been playing possum because going back to the start of the offseason program through camp and preseason, the defense way outplayed this offense. But they control the ball, old-fashioned running game pound it, use a lot of backs, throw a lot to the backs. And it is throwback football. Now they go to Cleveland where they lost 10-7 to last year in miserable weather. And the Browns are favored, I think, 12-and-a-half. And I think people here expect the Texans to get blown out. So what's your snapshot assessment of, of the division? You said Houston probably better than people think. Jaguars maybe worse. Titans get blown out, and uh, and the Colts certainly didn't look very good uh, against Seattle. Well, I've been doing this a long time, as you guys know, and I've never made snap judgment for a season based on one game. This time last year, Jaguars thought uh, they might win the division, even after the second game when they played the Titans tough in Nashville. People thought, wow, the Jaguars have improved, and then they lost 15 in a row. Considering all the problems and the COVID-19 issues that the Titans had, I I know people want to panic, but uh, they just got too much talent on that offense. As far as the Colts, Colts' defense was bad in the first half. Russell Wilson capitalized. Their offensive line didn't play well. I read one of the uh, assessments of one of their longtime beat writers, and that was the most surprising thing. Carson Wentz was okay, but they got behind early and they couldn't run. But their offensive line is supposed to be one of the top two or three in the league. It has to play a whole lot better. So I expect the Titans will bounce back. Don't know if it'll be in this game, but I think over the long haul, playing that first-place schedule is going to be tough. But that's a talented team, and Vrabel's a good coach. John, uh, among the bigger surprises of week one with the results, um, to me there are are two that really stand out. The Bills losing at home in the way they lost in the second half after holding Pittsburgh to just under 60 total offensive yards in the first half uh, and then Pittsburgh scoring 23 points on the final two quarters. And then, of course, the blowout that happened in Jacksonville as the Saints won at home, quote-unquote, uh, against the Green Bay Packers and how dominant they were and, and how good Jameis Winston was in that offense. Let's start in Buffalo. Uh, was that, that tell you more about Pittsburgh or Buffalo in week one? 
I think it tells us more about the Steelers. They won their first 11 games last year. Their running game was awful. They drafted Najee Harris. He didn't set the world on fire, but at least they're going to run the ball more, take a little pressure off Big Ben. T.J. Watt, why does he ever need a training camp or a preseason? He looked just like he did at the middle of last season, came in with two sacks. Their defense, you know they're going to be good. Mike Tomlin always has a good defense, and they're going to be a factor in that division, and that division is going to be tough. And uh, I thought Buffalo playing at home, they didn't look anything like the team we saw no. in the last when they finished 13-3. and three. But I, they're too talented, too hungry, and now too embarrassed not to bounce back. Just no balance after an offseason where they talked about adding more balance to their offense. No balance. I believe they, uh, Josh Allen passed 51 times in that game, in a game that they didn't allow a single point defensively in the first half and six offensive holding penalties against Buffalo. I think four were accepted. Uh, let, let's transition to New Orleans and the blowout win that they had over Green Bay. Your thoughts on Jameis Winston in that offense? I'm glad I've been writing and saying on all my talk shows that I thought Jameis Winston be comeback player of the year over Dak Prescott. Prescott played really well, showed no signs of the shoulder or ankle issues he's had. But Jameis Winston, I can't wait. Where everybody's talking about Brady going back to Foxborough, I'm looking forward to Winston going, mm. <laughs> him going home to Tampa to see how he does against the defending Super Bowl champion. Yep. That shows shows a couple of things what a great coach sean payton is how he rallied his troops they had to move the game they made sure to go to a city that would be harder for packer fans to get to although they seem to forget there's packer fans all over the country not just in wisconsin and then to come out and destroy them and i tell you what i know it's one game and aaron Rodgers has said before just r-e-l-a-x and I'm sure they will, but uh, somebody tweeted a picture of him in the post game when his hair's <laughs> askew and he's got his man butt. Yeah. Said that's the kind of guy you see who's just gotten divorced and he's in Denny's <laughs> eating a light breakfast at two in the morning. And I thought, you know what? That's exactly what he looks like. And and I tell you, Matt Lafleur said he was embarrassed. Roger sounded offended by that, said it's a long season, yeah. But in the NFL, it's not like the NBA. And basically, you judge each game, and the Packers were god-awful, and they better bounce back, and it better start with Rodgers. When we come back, we've been talking about some uh, losses that weren't, weren't too bad and actually could be promising for the Browns, for the Cowboys among them. When we come back, we'll ask John McClain, the longtime Houston Chronicle NFL guru, what he thought about those. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. We are with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody right behind the Music City Center, the Convention Center, downtown Nashville with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. John McClain, you can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. He has covered the league for more than four decades. And uh, Paul, I'm sure he has some thoughts on that Browns-Chiefs matchup where we came came away thinking the, the Browns did so many things right Yet Kansas City found a way at the end, but we still are high on Cleveland. Yeah, the flubbed punt obviously wasn't good, and they let up the big play uh, from Mahomes to, to Hill. 
but overall, uh, the Browns, we thought, showed that they're not far out of the Chiefs' class. I picked the uh, Browns to win the Super Bowl. And uh, for that guy to drop that punt right in his hands, you wonder how does he eat with hands like that. I mean, he killed him. Then yes. Mayfield threw that late interception. But the Browns got talent. If you look at their offensive line, their backfield, uh, their receivers, their secondary is so deep. Jadeveon Clowney stays healthy and plays the way he played in 2018. That was a long time ago. Certainly not the way he played for the Titans. He could help them in a run game a little bit against the pass. Miles Garrett may have been defensive player of the year last year before COVID-19 sidelined him for a while. So it's a tough division, but I look for the Browns to win it. Also hard not to feel good about the Cowboys off that Thursday night opener, uh, losing on a field goal to the Bucks at, at the end and with Dak Prescott looking so good. Paul, that was who everybody wanted to see. The fact, if you watched Hard Knocks, you saw they were worried about his shoulder early on. A lot of consternation up in the Metroplex, but he looked good. He threw some great passes. Now they got issues in their offensive line. Zach Martin couldn't play guard because of COVID. Lyle Collins didn't show up for some tests. He's been suspended. They always seem to have problems in their offensive line where they've devoted so much money and so much uh attention in in the free agency and in the draft with those number one picks. So I think Ezekiel Elliott's got to get going. He didn't look good. And their defense is against Tom Brady. You know, they did have, I think, four turnovers. Not often you lose and you're plus. I can't remember if it's two or three in turnover differential, but I think Cowboy fans ought to feel pretty good. John Good for that performance now. They've got to beat somebody. somebody. John McClain with us. He's with the Houston Chronicle and TexasSportsNation.com. John, I thought one of the bigger wins of the weekend was the Miami Dolphins. Um, they, they go on the road to Foxborough where they have not performed well over the years. That's been well documented. Uh, Mac Jones, I thought, played with poise. Uh, he was under pressure quite a bit by that Miami defense that blitzed nearly 50% of all snaps as uh, defenses are prone to do against rookies, but that's still a high blitz ratio uh, for, for them. Uh, they brought the heat. They, it's very hard to run on them, and uh, I, I thought that the defense won the day. And, and Tua had that bad pick that was batted around in what was a crazy interception late that kept New England in it. New England fumbled the, fumbled the game away. They had four fumbles from their running backs. Uh, and Miami leaves 1-0, and and they get a division win. That's a big win for Brian Flores. And you know those. So let's pull down the Zoom feed there, Jacob. We will, uh, we will check back in with John McClain momentarily. Yeah, we, we're going to try to reconnect We're going to reconnect with you, John. And uh, if you can log back in, that would be great. I, I, the, way that, uh, the way that Miami was able to hang on to that game, uh, Tua threw the pick. Uh, we mentioned yesterday Damian Harris had the fumble. Uh, there were four total fumbles in that game from New England. And Miami on the road, 17-16 the final. Um, there are just certain uh, conference matchups. Uh, the Titans' loss to the Arizona Cardinals, to me, is not 
magnified the same way that a divisional loss in the, or a conference loss is for, for, for the Baltimore Ravens, for instance, last night in conference for tiebreaker scenarios. It was a terrible loss for the Tennessee Titans, don't get me wrong, but the NFC loss, based on where the NFC rankings are for cross-conference tiebreakers, that comes down the line a little bit compared to what we could see with the Raiders and Ravens, Paul, and what we can definitely see in the division if there's a matchup at the top. For whatever reason, if whatever happens with Buffalo, if Josh Allen goes down something, where you have, where you have Miami and New England battling for the number one spot, those head-to-head matchups matter, even if they happened three and a half months ago. Yeah. And a, and a one-point win is massive for Brian Flores. Uh, th- uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. And for Miami, it's got to be cathartic after all these years of being stuck behind the Brady-Belichick Patriots to be out from under that. I don't disagree. But the, the th- I, I'm not dismissive. You're not being dismissive either. But those out-of-conference matchups, it's not like they don't matter because if that puts you a game behind your division foe, then all that – then all oh, that sure. tie-breaking yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. So, like, the Titans, if they go lose to Seattle now and you're two games behind somebody, fortunately for them, the Colts lost one, too. But that's also out of conference. Wait, but, but, but you can't you can't go lose two out of no, conference. No, 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 it, no. I'm not saying you can start 0-2 and be fine. Uh, only 12% of the teams in a, a 16-game schedule. Um, um, yeah, that number will go up a little Yeah, bit. only 12% of the teams in the 16-game schedule that start 0-2 end up making the postseason. We hear that every year. This is different with the extra game. All I'm saying is... Um, Hurts a it, little less. A, a little bit less, yeah, for, for sure. Chat, uh, excuse me, John, go back to your, your thoughts on, on Miami getting that win on the road. We're discussing the divisional win for the Dolphins and what it could mean down the road. Dolphins were 10-6 and six last year. They should be good this season. They've made a lot of changes to add talent, especially on offense for Tua Tagovailoa. And Bill Belichick goes crazy when they commit turnovers like this. They have four fumbles. There must have been hell to pay when uh, they get back to the next practice on uh, Wednesday. But I, I didn't pick the Patriots to make the playoffs. I didn't pick them to have a winning record not playing a rookie quarterback. And uh, as long as Tua plays well, Miami's got a chance to be a wild card. But uh, he's got a long way to go. Beating the Patriots is great, of course. Now they're going to have to at least split with the Bills. John, final thoughts from you uh, as we, we get our, uh, another game breakdown of the Bengals winning in overtime as time expired. We avoided the tie, thank goodness. Uh, avoided the tie. Joe Burrow's performance, though, stood out to me as uh, some of my top performers of the week. Uh, Burrow and Matthew Stafford in particular. But your thoughts on Cincinnati getting a win over Minnesota, who a lot of people, Armando Salguero, we had him on last week from, from Outkick.com. He, has, uh, he, he had Minnesota winning that division. There, there are, and again, it's week one, but there are a lot of people that are very high on Minnesota, not as high on Cincinnati based on their divisional ranking. What do you think about the Bengals winning in week one? Joe Burrow's a cool customer. You know, we saw him have maybe the best college team in history when they won the national championship two years ago. He was playing well. It didn't translate to victories as a rookie because his offensive line was awful. But they've got good receivers. They've improved their line. I look for them to surprise people with how many games they win, including within the division. Now, they're not going to the playoffs, but I think next year, Bengal fans will be fired up about where this franchise is, and that was big for them to be able to pull that out, especially the way they did, because nobody likes a tie. 
completely with you on that. We never tie with John McClain. We always win. You can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. We love having you on weekly, and uh, we'll do it again next week across the network. Jonathan, Paul, Chad Lack, thank you guys very much. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it as always. John Keep being the best, John. McClain, each Thanks. Tuesday with us here on Outkick 360. Tell the Chad Lack story. Uh, very early nickname for you from John John McClain. And yeah, it, I don't. It warms your heart. Chad, I don't even know uh, where it really came from other than John just started calling me that on one show. And were, it's, you, it's were you not chauffeuring him around town? I like to think of that. I like to think oh, you were driving. Did I have a little hat around. on? So yeah. You like to think of me in the hat yeah. also? George uh, told you to go pick him up at the it was airport. A newsboy hat. Yeah, <laughs> you picture me as like the driver from Die Hard, <laughs> driving that John McClane around, and I was driving a different no, John McClane around. No, was different. it Christmas time? <laughs> it, was, it was not Christmas time. Yeah, he just started calling me that, and uh, it stuck. I, I love the name Chadillac. It really does give me a certain tingly sensation <laughs> every time I hear look Chadillac from John McClane. Uh, look, if John McClane says your name, you get tingly all over. <laughs> but when he says Chadillac, it's especially true. Oh, well, Clay Helton is out of a job. We should hit that big headline out to you. Listen, I, I Chad, don't know. Chadillac hit that headline yesterday as a preview. Where did you guys, did you, did you see the actual rumor from anywhere? Like of Urban interested in the USC job? Yes, because what oh. I saw was a tweet from Reddit yeah. That people then started to give legs. I went. I, I saw it somewhere. I think somebody I mentioned it on the show because he, he was on trending on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. That was no. the question. Who's no. trending on Twitter? Yeah, that was funny. But then I, somebody put it on my Facebook page, and I was like, "We are not going to be a place where we give air to a Reddit rumor and then start <laughs> treating it like it's like legitimate uh. news. We are going to discern the difference between a news organization saying this." And Reddit saying it. My God. I, um, it was funny because, and I think someone, I forget who tweeted it out, but they just said, I'm just on Twitter now for all the Urban Meyer USC jokes. Hutton, that's what got Urban Meyer and USC trending yesterday was yes. every sports writer was joking about, boy, uh, Urban's in a you know, team meeting right now. He's probably grabbing his chest. Uh, with some chest pains are coming <laughs> well, There were some good uh, memes of people flat on their back on a football field yeah. or flat on their face. Urban, the moment he heard USC was open. Well, and I, you know, I, I was reading, I forget who I was reading today, but someone who actually has covered Urban Meyer before and said, I don't think Urban Meyer would be interested in USC if he was out of a job right now, much less that he has a job. That's just not a job that would interest him. Why not? Um, Notre Dame is a job that would interest him more than USC. He's just not, I, I don't know, I guess just not the LA type. USC is a great job. USC has limitations. They have not spent a lot. Their, their facilities, their infrastructure, their nutrition plan, everything is outdated. Well, I would think USC. the new coach going in would be going in with assurances that all those things are going to be updated. If USC wants to be USC, it's going to yes. need to modernize. Isn't it crazy that, that Clay Helton has been the coach there since 2013? I saw that yesterday, wow. too. I did not think it had been that long. I would not have guessed I would have guessed that. five years. It's maybe 2015. It was one, one of the two. But still, that he's been there that long and, and kind of hung on is so, pretty remarkable. Okay, so not Urban Meyer. Who, who is actually getting some traction for Los Angeles? Well, Bruce Feldman, uh, who's with Fox Sports and The Athletic, has his list. And he's always been sort of my go-to guy on – because he doesn't give you 15 names – 
that he's hearing, he always tends to give you four or five top names for every job. And the names that he has listed, and we'll go straight down, and you guys tell me what you think about this person for now, USC. Now, before you, before you go through this list, and I haven't seen this list, mm-hmm. keep in mind what we just said about USC needing to make some assurances about facilities and all these are going to be big marquee names that they're going to go after. So to me, that's, that's going to come with the coach that you hire. I happened to be getting ready for Monday Night Football last night, and I had it on one of the ESPN stations, and, and Keyshawn Johnson was on there just bloviating <laughs> about USC, and it was just mind-numbingly stupid some of the things he was saying, but he was doing a lot of shouting and Keyshawn, saying, really? you have got to go get a marquee name. You, this is USC. You know, Clay Helton's not going to win at USC. You've got to go get a big-name coach at USC. And then he brought up Dabo Sweeney as an example. I think Dabo Sweeney was an elevated assistant coach when Clemson <laughs> made him the head coach. They, he became a big – this defeats your purpose. Mm-hmm. They went out and or found was he a guy they should who go became get him the now. next coach. No, he was saying, when Clemson hired Dabo Sweeney, and I'm thinking, no, that's, that's not you, – you got It's not the same. Everyone else he mentioned was a big name. I, I will give him credit for that, but that was one that I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not the name. Um, Mario Cristobal at Oregon is the top name at Bruce, on He's Bruce Feldman's list. got something good going right now. He's got something good going. His, um, and Nike money. His he, doesn't buyout, have to, he doesn't have to wait on expanded facilities at Oregon. No. So his buyout is $9 million right now. Does not drop to $6.5 million until January of 2022. So that's something to keep in mind. Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Good, good, uh, good one if, if he wants to go west. Hard, hard to see that happening if Bobby Carpenter is on to something with the jobs that he would leave for. Who well, joined, even, two weeks ago, I believe we asked about just stay and wait on Ohio you don't, State you or, don't. Or, or Notre Dame. I'm not saying that coaches aren't great family men. A lot of them are. But it's not often when a coaching job comes up that any mention of family is listed in a, as a reason. Uh, Luke Fickle has a lot of kids and loves his family dearly. And even in this article I'm reading from Bruce Feldman, it says, would Fickle really want to move his mm. family to Los Angeles? Something Bobby Carpenter mentioned also. Kids like beaches? That's going to that's gonna matter to them. Movies? I, I don't... I, I, how many kids? He's got like six or seven kids, I think, right? I, I don't know. I, I, Cost I don't know. isn't going to be an issue? I, he seems like... A, to me, he seems like a guy who is either Ohio State or Notre Dame's next coach. Kind of like Matt Campbell. Oh, by the way, Matt Campbell <laughs> is on this list. I could see that. that that's one... To me, that's a fit. Get me out of Iowa. It's also a fit. I wouldn't want to pay California taxes. I wouldn't want to live in California, I but I would want to coach at USC. I would rather live in some of these places outside of LA right now uh, from yeah, a cost absolutely. of living standpoint. Um, I mean, this job pays enough that cost of living is not a, a big factor. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, when you're getting your income taxed, it's a big difference. Right, and it's but you're go talking a lot, about lot that while you're else. negotiating. Well, what you're paying me here is worth X where I am right now. And it's Matt part Campbell, of though, has about. been sitting and waiting patiently. Um, is this the job that is the job? Yeah. USC, is, U, is USD, is, are they still one of the golden nuggets? Well, he, let me give that, you the That's Matt, the question. Let me give you the Matt Campbell rationale. The Big 12 is in trouble. That's why Matt Campbell would leave now. The Big 12 is in a different place than it was when the last jobs came open and offered him. 
with Texas and Oklahoma in the conference. It's different now. Correct. So Pac-12 on better footing, would he make the move to a better conference? Where otherwise a year ago he wouldn't have even talked to USC. Again, like I think that's a fit. I, I, just based on uh, the, the job status and where he is and the money involved. Um, and I, I think his style would also well fit out. Yeah. He'd play well. Yeah. Let me give you a fit, and this is going to make Paul mad, but this is right there in the story with Bruce Feldman. James Franklin. Yes. Yeah, no-brainer. He's on the list. Go ahead. Also, no-brainer, James Franklin would love that job. Oh, God, yeah. Here, closer to cameras. Closer USC to should love James Franklin. That, that is a great pairing, those two. Yeah, and you know he's got the itch. He wants to be loved by somebody new and core. And I think James Franklin also, he doesn't, he's a coach who does not want to get fired. He wants to leave on his own accord. So now may be a good time with, if USC came open, came after him, to leave at a good time before. And I'm not, I don't, look, they had a huge win. In week one, I don't think he's any, I'm not talking about him getting fired right now at Penn State, right. but yeah. you still get out Stay while you've ahead. been there at a good amount of time. Big game this week against Auburn. Yeah, huge game against Auburn is this week. Is there weekend. one more? Is that it? Finally, Tony Elliott, Clemson offensive coordinator. He's from Los Angeles. To me, that's he like – He turned down Tennessee. He's turned down other jobs. He had a chance at the Tennessee job, did not pursue it. Still not shiny enough on to, Keyshawn's list. To, to Los Angeles. That, that's a li- but he a, likes Dabo. He likes Clemson. <laughs> He likes Clemson this is different. This, getting elevated. This is not the same as Matt Campbell, who is a sitting head coach that has turned down multiple jobs. You're an offensive coordinator, and you've turned down power five jobs to stay at Clemson. There, there's more to whatever's going on beneath the surface there than just, uh, you know, I don't want to be the head coach at Tennessee. I've got one more. You agree? Uh, I agree. I, I think, I think uh, you could – if you're an offensive coordinator, you're dictating. I'm waiting on USC to open up. I'm going to give you a couple of different ones that I think, for whatever reason, maybe it doesn't make the most sense right now, but they would really do well at USC. I've got one more. Adam Schefter just tweeted, League sources believe Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy will emerge as a head coaching candidate for USC. Bieniemy is from Southern Cal and has told confidants in the past that USC is one of the only college jobs that might interest him. I don't understand how that is coming from Eric Bieniemy's camp. First off, yeah, that's a great I, agent. I believe that's a great agent pool because I don't think Eric Bieniemy's going to get a sniff at USC. I don't know why Eric Bieniemy's not an NFL head coach. There is something up there. There is something up well, with his the word is he doesn't interviewing interview well. and all. Of, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't think Eric Bieniemy's in play there. Let me give you a name that I would I would seriously consider. Would you Would you consider Eric Bieniemy yes. if he was in play there? Would yes. I consider if, he, Eric, if he'd go if you're USC? Sure. I mean, I, I think if I'm considering Tony Elliott, then I'm con- if I'm considering 41-year-old offensive coordinator at Clemson, Tony Elliott, I'm considering Eric Bieniemy and his track record being from L.A. and his success in the NFL also. Let me give you another guy that if things were to go south this year, that it may not be working out for him in his current job, that I would consider someone who would win big in Los Angeles, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, 100%. Cliff Kingsbury did not win to any great extent at Texas Tech. Did not stop him from getting the job in Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury just screams Los Angeles to me. Yes. And USC recruiting. Now, well, here's, he should be coming off his first successful NFL season. One thing that I think would hurt Cliff Kingsbury is Graham Harrell is currently the offensive coordinator at USC. Graham Harrell was a quarterback, I believe, on the same team under Cliff Kingsbury. They're Mike Leach guys. Mm-hmm. They're air raid guys. USC former players hate the air raid. 
They want a tough-nosed, pound-the-rock type style. They want what Pete Carroll was doing there. Uh, they want what they were doing years ago. That's where Mario Cristobal fits from a culture standpoint of what they'd want in L.A. with what he's doing in Oregon. Cliff Kingsbury's a name to keep in mind. And here's the funny one that a lot of people are bringing up. Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Give him you a second chance. You knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. He's matured. Give him a second chance. He's not – there's no chance of that. There's no chance that they would do it, but it is funny to think about Lane Kiffin returning to L.A. Is Kiffin going to call L.A. radio the same way he called Tennessee radio? Uh, as an acting head coach at Florida Atlantic and, and say, go Vols, is he going to say, you know, fight on? Is he going to call in and say that? I do think that Lane Kiffin has matured in a lot of ways, and he's a better, much better – you work long enough, you're going to have it. A much better head coach than he was then. Oh, he's, he's still up for a good troll. He's still business, up man. for a good troll. You don't go back. More coming. Back. SEC discussion on Outkick 360. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Someone in our chat suggested uh, James Franklin to USC, Matt Campbell to Penn State. It's rare when you get the double win when a coach voluntarily leaves your program. But I really do think that's one scenario where everyone would feel like they won. USC fans would be thrilled to have James Franklin. He'd be a great fit in Los Angeles. I think he'd do a good yes. job there. And, not, and James Franklin's done a very good job at Penn State also, but I still think Penn State fans would take that trade. They'd probably say, that's, that's fine with us. We'll take Matt Campbell. That, that, would be, that would be a fun one to watch. It's always funny because when you talk Matt Campbell – the two jobs that always pop up, three really, are Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame. Penn State is Very right there in, the that, country. in that triangle yeah. of Ohio State. And geographically, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. I think that'd make a lot of sense. Uh, you, again, you can join us in the chat for more info. We gave you the uh, 360 parlay earlier going with the Reds. Uh, the Giants and the Yankees money line. From your lips to God's ears. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to win tonight. We're going to win double. We're, we're very up. confident in Hutton's picks, especially after winning last night. We're doubling up. And, oh, by the way, I didn't win last night because while we were on air, I did not jot down his pick, and I went opposite. I went under, and Dylan, our production assistant, said he always kicks himself when he goes the under and he loses. I was especially kicking myself when you guys were bragging about the win. Celebrating. And I looked down and said, I'm pretty sure when Hunt said, you know, this extra point, if it's good, we're going to win. And I'm thinking, <laughs> pretty sure I'm going to lose with this extra point because I went under uh, because I was mistaken on what Hunt I don't picked. like betting I'm on the this. idiot. I don't like rooting for fewer points and for the scoring to stop. It's hard. I just want more. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I hate myself when I pick the under also. If I'm even going to bet, I usually just go with the ones I think are going to go over. And even if I think it's going to go under, I don't like betting the under. RIP to Norm McDonald, who passed away earlier today. The former uh, SNL cast member, uh, host of Weekend Update. Uh, of course, uh, film uh, and uh, comedian. Um, how old was he, Chad? Like 61? 61 years old. Yeah, and nine, he battled cancer? Nine-year battle with cancer. Which he kept quiet, which is a remarkable feat for any celebrity to keep anything quiet for nine years. Yes. Um, yeah, sad. The guy was funny. Really the guy funny. was like, uh, and uh, I would describe it as kind of a David Letterman sense of yes. humor. Not that they were the same. I think they were But funny. it was very cutting edge, right? It was all, it's subversive, their level of humor. Yes. At a time where not, there's just, they're very unique. 
there's there's no other David Letterman out there, and so many talk show hosts, comedians look up to and worship uh, David Letterman. You're seeing a lot of the same sentiment from comedic actors and comedians about Norm Macdonald that he's just one of the funniest guys you'll ever encounter. And um, if I may, while we're speaking of celebrity uh, passing aways, um, shifting gears a little bit, we were remiss, uh, and it happened over the weekend, 2012 Sunday uh, was the passing of Lene Kakua, uh, who has great meaning to our show in previous incarnations. Uh, we miss her. And um, she, she meant a lot to this show. And I'm sure we will revive tributes to her uh, as the time comes. But anything fake, 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 fake that we deal with, we pay tribute to her. It, it's a sad time. Lene Kakua, big part of uh, the three of us, of this trio. It's hard to believe it's been that long. And a uh, big part of Manti Teo's life also. Yes. By the way, in honor of Norm MacDonald, I've got a homework assignment for everyone out there tonight. If you're looking for good entertainment... There's no football on tonight. Maybe your team's in a pennant race. Sorry, Hutton. Yours is not. But if your team's in a pennant <laughs> race, maybe, maybe okay. you want to watch that baseball game. Maybe five um, years. But if not, no football on tonight. You can go to either Hulu with a subscription, Amazon Prime, or HBO Max and stream the comedic classic 1998's Dirty Work starring Norm MacDonald. It's, a, it's one of so the good. More it's on every streaming network. One of the more underrated comedies of the last 30 I've years. Never heard I of this will film. I will die on a hill for dirty work. Who else I watched this, this thing over and over in college. Chris Farley has a couple of cameos in it. Oh gosh, uh, Artie Lang, the co-stars. Yes, in it. yes. It oh, is Artie. a great Artie, Artie when he still had movie. a nose. It's very very underrated. I'm telling you, you guys will love it. Yeah, it's the one where uh, the yes, the Saigon, you know what, bit off his nose with Chris Farley's character. Uh, Raheem Mostert is going to miss some time, Paul. Is he out for the I season? I think he's out for the season, which is Running good for, back for the 49ers. Trey Sermon owners, I happen to know. Three guys in one who own Trey Sermon, who was out week one. Um, they certainly are prepared. They, they spent a reasonably high draft pick on Trey Sermon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you, you like options in the backfield in uh, Shanahan offense, and they, they lost one. Well, he – they have Elijah Mitchell, who's a sixth-round pick in San Francisco as well. Um, he rushed for 104 yards and a touchdown. They also uh, – you mentioned Trey Sermon, the rookie. Um, he was a, a healthy scratch, but not anymore. Uh, I think he was dinged. Oh, from preseason? Yeah. I'm not sure what it was, but I think he's dinged. Uh, they also have another running back, Hasty, who is uh, in the mi- – th- those are their three. Uh, Washington, it doesn't seem like, is going to – sign a quarterback they're going to go with their backup Heineke yeah Taylor Heineke and they're just going to move forward as uh they they put Fitzpatrick on injured reserve so we talked about I mean they dismissed Cam Newton pretty quickly um now you say hey well what about Cam Newton your old quarterback uh, after you lose your starter the answer still seems to be no. Well, Albert Breer reported that they they really do like Cam Newton um Ron Rivera does but they, they were, they've been sold on Heineke since he had that playoff performance where he came off the Which bench. Which is fine. And but they think he think deserves that, the opportunity to jump in. You would think that Cam Newton as a backup would be attractive, no. but a vaccinated Cam Newton right. would That's be the issue. A, a much better option. That's so the issue because you, you need your guy available. You need your guy available. And, you know, who knows where Cam Newton ends up. He says he's not retiring. He's going to remain available for teams. Well, he may... Uh, teams may retire him for 
for him. He might not have to do it. It depends who gets hurt. Um, teams would sign him to come in unvaccinated as a starter. I've stated that multiple times. You're not keeping an unvaccinated as your backup because you need him available. Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour, we start with the Titans. How much can they actually improve off of that terrible loss in four days? What can they improve on in four days? We'll answer that question next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.